Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. Well, if you're happy and you know know it, say amen. Amen. (laughs) Never forget that song, if you're happy and you know it. Um, If you're in the Lord, if you're born again, if you know Christ as your Savior, you have every reason to be happy. Amen. Every reason to be happy. Um, We are going to be in Job chapter, well, Job, really. All of Job. Um, Sort of, again, as you notice, we're we're sort of jumping back and sort of taking a fresh look at some well-known people in Scripture. Some well-known true historical accounts. Sometimes we call them stories, but we don't call them stories because they're fictitious. Just because it is a story told, an account told about someone. But some well-known ones that you grew up with, um, probably many of you grew up with. And if you didn't, well, you're in for a treat today as far as living real life and how to live it. um, How to live it by real faith. So we've been in a series, if you're new, um, on our Sunday mornings, for at least for the past three Sunday mornings. We've been in a series entitled Real Life, Real Faith. Um, and I started uh, this series, I asked the question, how many of y'all experience real life? How many still experience in real life? Amen, right? You wake up, it starts. And um, you have the decision as a Christian to approach real life with a real faith in your Savior, which is Jesus Christ. And uh, we started this series by really understanding that it is important and imperative that when God is, 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 is calling on your heart and you understand your sin and you need a Savior, it's important that by faith that you come to Christ and you receive Him as Savior. We discussed how faith is the hinge to the door. Jesus says, I am the door. And uh, we have the opportunity to walk through the door. And He gives us grace, salvation, forgiveness, New life and mercy. We get added many more on there. Strength, endurance, enablement. You know, many things God gives. It really gives us all things that we need. Amen? And, uh, but, but entering in or receiving Christ is by your faith. You don't, enter, you don't become a child of God by my faith. It's by your faith in Christ. Confessing to the Lord, I'm a sinner, I repent, and I trust only Jesus alone because of his death, burial, and resurrection. That's the moment we become born again and we become God's children. And I'll tell you this, it is a joy to be able to experience this life as a child of God. Amen? I'm not alone when I walk through this world. He goes with me. Uh, I know that I can be strong in all situations I can walk through the fire of life. I can through, as Paul said, I did this, but not me, but through Christ that is in me. Right? And so uh, this series helps us to remind ourselves 
that we have a faith worth submitting to the Lord as God's children as we experience new life. I would encourage you, if you've never trusted Jesus as Savior, please listen today that you need Jesus. You're a sinner, you've been cursed by sin, and you need a Savior because your sin cannot be welcomed into heaven. But if you trust Christ, confess to the Lord your faith in Jesus alone, uh, then you are now a born-again Christian and can enter into heaven and be with the Lord. But before then, you can live life victoriously through Jesus. And so we want to look at a guy, man, that I just am always humbled when I read about this person's life. And it's the life of Job. He's mentioned in the New Testament, right? Rightfully so. But again, Job is simply a person. Okay? He is a person, flesh and blood and bone, just like you. Um, Job made mistakes, but you're going to find when he approached real life, you'll find a real faith he did live by. Okay? So let's step into this. Uh, let's just start in verse 1. And uh, we'll just follow God's leadership on when to end, okay? In this first chapter. So, chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there was born in him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep. There were 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very uh, great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one this day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This did Job continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God, uh, which we say the, the angels there in heaven, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, Well, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth. A perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, or put it away, re retract it. And, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon him put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And just for the sake of time, I'm going to end in verse 13. And there was a day. Don't forget that. And there was a day. When his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And then you'll find some messengers came to Job and life changed. 
real life changed. A new circumstance came into Job's life. There's a crossroads here. What will Job do? Real life. It, will there be real faith? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight, this morning uh, for your word, for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the, for the life of Job uh, being uh, put into the full canon of Scripture before us uh, today. And I pray, Father, that we take home uh, with us in our hearts um, how the righteous should suffer. How do we suffer? How, do we, how are we to go about that? That's really the, the proper question this morning is, is how should it be done? And we're going to see, not by someone that never made mistakes, but through it all you'll find that he was a man of faith. But he went through so much, and very, his faith was very vulnerable to attack. So help us to glean from Job's life that we may examine our own life this morning and, and, and make a decision, um, rest in your strength to approach real life fully and completely trusting you at all times in spite of the circumstances. Father, help me to disappear from the stage today. It's not about me, but that each one would only hear your voice today. Help me to be obedient completely to your leadership. And I pray that for the same of each one here today. And I pray all this in Christ's name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can your faith take a beating? And I think that's pretty, I think that's a pretty good title. You know, even though I gave it the title, it just seems very fitting. Job's faith took a beating, as you're going to find here in just a moment. Um, now, this historical account of Job, as I already said before, is remarkable to me. It's a remarkable account uh, every time that I read it. And if you've never heard of Job, you should leave here today with an awe of God's sovereignty and Job's integrity. In awe of it today. Of all that we'll see that Job faced, that his faith faced in his life. Now, here's the truth, I think, for all of us. When it comes to experiencing God's blessings, and God has the power and the right to bless us, right? He blesses our lives, our life of obedience. We're his children. He loves to bless his children. He doesn't owe us anything, but he takes great joy in blessing his children. He truly does. You'll never find a Christian complaining about the blessings, will you? Have you ever complained about a blessing from God? No. You'll never find yourself being sad or burdened or saying, Woe is me, I got another blessing today. I don't think I could take another one. I don't think any of us have ever done that, right? We simply have no power with the problem of God's power to bless us. However, that can always be said when God exercises His power to remove blessings from our life. But remember, dear friend, you came into this world with nothing. So anything that you do have come through the hand of God. So God has all jurisdiction, and rightfully so, to give and to take away. Okay, But we don't always have the same mentality or perspective or attitude toward God 
taking something or removing something. So it is imperative for us to know He is a Father. He's a loving Father, and He always cares for us when He blesses us and when He takes something. But I'll say this, a, a giving and a taking is a blessing. Because God does it with a purpose, for your good and His glory. Job 121, even from the mouth of Job, he said, and, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're fast-forwarding a little bit. He'll say that after he gets some messages that we'll look at in just a moment. Okay? Now, I want to paint this very clearly before we jump into this. Um, Job's life is not necessarily... Um, that we're looking at Job's life is it, not primarily about the loss and the pain just that by itself. It's, it's not the primary purpose of, of, of gleaning from the book of Job. It is a great part of the lesson that we need to learn today. And this book will not answer for you this question. Why does God, who is loving and righteous, allow the godly to suffer? It doesn't come out and answer that kind of, of question through, the, uh, through this book, what it does answer without a doubt is this. How do the righteous suffer? In other words, how do they approach suffering? Or how should they approach suffering? Regardless of the circumstances, how should we approach? What life does God bless? The kind of life that approaches suffering. We're talking about God's children. And what kind of life does God demand repentance from as they approach suffering or approach the one who is suffering? See, Jesus never short-sighted us about suffering, did he? Did Jesus ever say you'll never suffer? No, let me give you a verse of Scripture. Two verses, actually. 1 Peter 4, verses 12 and 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice. Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed. You may be glad also with exceeding joy. So he doesn't blind us to the suffering that will come. But he said rejoice. That you suffer for Christ's sake. That when he does come. He receives you. You can stand before him with a happy heart. That you did it for the glory of God. And because you loved him. So here's the overarching lesson, all right, that, I, that we're going to see, and we'll jump into this. If God permits, okay, then God is bringing a great benefit. You may not think so on the upfront, but if God permits, He's bringing a great benefit for your good and His own glory, and it's important to always keep this in mind about the Lord. It's, it's imperative that you keep this in mind. God cares for you. Can we say that together? Say, put, put me in there instead of you. Let's say this together. Ready to begin. God cares. All right. You will, you, your faith will thank you when you keep that perspective going forward. Okay? But you're not always going to have help from people, as we're going to find, in keeping that perspective. So let's, let's jump into this first point. We'll try to make this first point brief. But we want to get our footing here. Job's real life of blessings. Joe was a blessed man. We read that. Let, let's quickly run through this, remind ourselves. We find that Job's profile simply um, compounds of these things. His character. God said he's, he's an upright man. He's perfect. Not that he never made mistakes, but he was living a holy life. Right. That's, that's where his, his, his focus was. He feared God. He shunned evil. His family. 
He had seven sons. He had three daughters. That's a blessed man, is it not? Right? And you're going to notice this about his family. His sons and his daughters were close. They loved each other. When, when the sons would have meal or feast at their home, they invited their, his, their sisters. Come dine with us. Where do you think they learned that? Job and his wife. Why his wife? His, we write Job's wife off so quickly, but we shouldn't do that. They, 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 they parented together and they taught their children to love one another and be there for one another. And they did that. That's good parenting. Man, this, this home is blessed. Possessions, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a large household. So they also had servants there too, and they served and they took care of them. Um, what you're going to find about Job's life, he never let his possessions, never allowed his possessions to possess him. Okay? Not only that, but his position, out of all the known world that time in the East, he was the greatest of men. And that was in perspective of his holy life. He loved God. He eschewed evil. He was, he was known. He, notice this. Please don't forget this. His influence influenced everyone. If any person that someone known, it would have been Job. Oh, yeah, I know Job. I know him. I heard of him. You know, he was known of, in all the land of the east. And then his holiness. Love this about Job. You, you find in the latter part of our reading that there, every day you're going to find he, he had a concern about the hearts of his children so much so that he said, you know, they may have some hidden sin in their heart toward God, so I'm going to go and make sacrifice for them and pray for them every day. What a dad. Amen? Amen. Cared about sin in his children's life enough that he prayed for them every day. Job's profile was outstanding all by the power of God. He followed God. He loved the Lord. But then you're going to find this hidden counsel in heaven. Now, now Job wasn't privy to this counsel. He had no idea this happened. And so let that be a note to you. You don't know what all is going on in, in, in the heavenlies or around you sometimes, right? But God cares for you. But there's details always working around you. But there was a heavenly counsel. And, and you're going to find that the, the sons of God, the angels of God came and they were meeting together. And Satan comes up. Going to and fro from heaven. Around the earth. Doing what the devil does best, right? The tempter, the father of lies. Doing his evil work, sowing doubt. And, and God has a dialogue with him. What have you been doing? It's not like he didn't know. But, you know, what have you been doing? Have you considered my servant Job? And this wasn't God trying to pick on Job or make Job falter. But remember, we as God's children are ambassadors for God. Right? The trials of our faith are precious. More precious than gold and silver. And Job, wouldn't it be a great thing that, that God would mention your name? Wouldn't that, this is an awesome privilege for Job. God said, have you considered my servant Job? Out of all the people in the world at that time, have you considered my servant Job? And you're going to find Satan. Satan was not ignorant of Job's life as well. Now let me mention this to you. Satan will never remain quiet when your life, when, when you have a personal walk with God, Satan's not going to remain quiet about you. When you're raising your children in a Christ-centered home, Satan's not going to be quiet about your life. When you fear God, when you eschew evil, when God's blessings are publicly known on your life, Satan is not going to be quiet about you. 
Satan could have led him and said, yeah, I've heard about him. I don't really care about him. He could have went on back to the earth and done his evil deeds. But he didn't do that. God said, if you consider my servant Job, and notice what Satan said. Notice his claim about Job. He said, oh, yeah, Job, you think he has great integrity, but his integrity only hinges upon what you have given him and the protection that you've provided him. Simply saying this, Job's integrity is empty and vain. God, how about you do this? Take his blessings away. I even want you to take his health. Take, take, take your protection. Take, just remove your hand back from him. And he will curse you to your face. Simply saying Job's integrity was simply non-existent. It was simply based on God's blessings and protection. So say, that was Satan's challenge about him. So Satan desired nothing. So here's Satan's desire. And this is for every one of you today. Satan's desire for you. Is for you to reject God. Satan's after you to reject God. Satan desires nothing more than that. What Satan does, what he's wanting to do, is Satan's wanting to sow doubt in your life. So therefore you will sow doubt as well in other people's lives. Remember Job's influence. Everybody knows Job. He's impacted not just his family, but multiple families in the east. And if Satan can get Job to curse God, reject God, and build his life upon doubts of God, guess what he's going to do with his family? He's going to lead them to doubt God. He's going to lead the known world, the people of the East, to doubt God. Well, if Job doubts God, then God mustn't, mustn't be much. Do you see what the devil can do if we allow him to have his way with us and sow doubt in our hearts? Satan wants to do that. Your public rejection of God leads others to doubt God as well. There is no little action or big action or little reaction or big. There's not a big or little. Every action that you take as a Christian is huge. Huge. Why do you say that? Because every action impacts another soul. Even if they're just about two feet tall. Or they're six foot tall. It doesn't matter. They're a soul. They're a person. They're huge. Satan, now listen. Do you not think Satan doesn't know who you impact? To be quite honest, you probably don't know everyone you impact right now. Amen? It may not be till after this life that you realize, I didn't realize I impacted their life. I had no idea. Satan knows exactly who you impact, and he wants to ruin your integrity, therefore to uh, bring doubt to their life. And so Satan is reaching. Listen, your life, I, said, I told this to our Sunday school class, your life is not just about you. Satan, is, Satan doesn't just come to you to sow doubt and lead you to reject God and walk away from the church and walk away from faith just to say, okay, I, I did that with him, so that was my only objective. No, 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 no. Dear friend, he wants a domino effect to happen, and it will because people feed off other people, do we not? That's why we come together, to edify one another, to build on one another. Satan wants us to destroy one another. And all he's got to do is get doubt in your heart and you live based on that doubt. The simple fact of Satan approaching God, and this is a great thing to remember. 
Approaching God for permission tells us who is really sovereign. And it's not Satan, it's the Lord. Satan is weaker than God. God is who we need, not Satan. Do not follow him. But Job, great things that are happening here for him. But then you're going to find, number two this morning, Job's real life of heartache. So he's not sitting, I ended there in verse 13. And I hadn't really paid attention to this, but in my reading this week, I noticed those first you know, one, two, three, four, five words in verse 13. And there was a day. You ever had one of those? And there was a day. Life changed. Circumstances come and hit you right in the face. And, you know, you just, maybe you just drop to your knees and pray. I mean, there was a day. And maybe you've had several of those verse 13 moments. And there was a day. A death of a loved one, a trying moment, a temptation, a scar, a wound. You know, something was going on, a disappointment, whatever it may be. And there was a day. For the sake of time, I can't read all verses that I want to today. So I'm going to have to paraphrase some. What you're going to find, I, I encourage you, please read this at home. So Job is there, right? Doing well with his current life, what's going on, his faith is, 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 is being fleshed out well. And then comes a messenger. There was a, a messenger came. And you'll find in verse 14, he talks about the oxen, right? Um, the, the oxen and the, and the donkeys there, they were, they were feeding. And it says, and, and, and the Sabians, the enemies, they came and slew them all. The livestock, his livelihood. And he said, I'm the only one that could escape. The only one could escape. And notice this, as you go in and read, no sooner than that messenger quit bringing that good news, here came another one. Think about that. Not just one bad news, but here comes right. I mean, now there's two messengers in the same room with Job. Okay? So what in verse 16, while one yet spake, and there came another one. Fire of God's fallen from heaven, burned up the sheep. And the servants, I'm the only one left to tell you. You've lost all this stuff, Joe. All, all, all this has been destroyed. Verse 17, then, while they yet spake, there came another one. The Chaldeans made of three bands and fell upon the camels, carried them away, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I'm the only one left to tell you, Job. I'm the only one. While he yet spake, there came another one. You ever, you ever said this? How could it possibly get worse? Not come to his children. His children were there together in the house, and the house fell on them and killed all. The wind came through and killed them all. And so you find this real, who, who considered this a real life of heartaches? This isn't a joke. This isn't a story. This is a real person facing a real moment, and his faith is now vulnerable. What will he do with it? So I'm just telling you, God's children aren't absent from real life. So dear children, dear children of God, we must be ready to practice a real faith and trust God. All right. Notice what he lost. Livestock, camels, servants, children. And what you will find a little bit later is that there's another meeting, and, uh, and Satan says, well, I'll tell you what. Because look at verse 21, we read it earlier. Uh, he said, naked have I, you know, come out of my mother's womb, naked I shall return. Hey, blessed be the name of the Lord. His integrity stuck, still following God, still loving God. His children he raised and loved are dead. And Job said, I didn't have them when I came into this world. I wasn't promised I would leave this world with them. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Satan goes back to God. He says, you know what, God, let me touch his health. He'll curse you. So God allowed him to do that, but he could not kill him. Okay? Could not kill him. Now I want you to notice something real quick, and this will segue into his critics in just a moment. But notice what Satan did. Satan used natural resources to bring destruction. Wind, fire, enemies. That wasn't, that was by plan. That wasn't by accident. Because we do know who does control, right? Who is sovereign over the weather and the fire and can and is sovereign even over the reach of enemies as well. And who is that? God. But God permitted Satan to do a work in Job's life in efforts to, to help people to understand God carries you through. So what, what is Satan trying to do? Because they don't know it's Satan. You see how quickly you could say, well, God killed my children. And God took my camels. And God did this. When God did not do that, he permitted Satan to do that. Do you see why Satan is using the natural things? Because even those things do fall under God's jurisdiction. But God said, Satan, you can have, you can have the, the jurisdiction to use these. And Satan used those things. I believe in full effort to lead their hearts to say, God hates me. And God doesn't hate you. God loves you. Amen? We may not think that at times when these circumstances happen, but God truly does love us. One thing that Job needed to understand in his life is that God is in full control. Nothing is wasted. Amen? Nothing is wasted in this life. God We'll make sure everything is used in the best way for your life, for your character, for your service to Him and His glory. God, has God ever left the throne? No. No one can remove Him from the throne. He is a sovereign King. All of this is part of God. Now, this may sound strange, but all of this is part of God's loving plan. Okay? It's one thing that I have learned and read other scriptures as well is that when God's children go through the furnace, guess who's walking with you? God. Amen? Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name, for thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, uh, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And dear friend, we are God's children by faith. He walks through all things with us. Amen? Christ walked through all things for us. And he walks through things with us today. God was not willing to allow Job to walk through things where God was not willing to walk through them with him and be there for him. Amen? God didn't say, Satan, you go ahead, and then God takes a vacation. God is there for Job the entire time to help him and lead him and strengthen him. Because, dear friend, life is more, more than just about you. It truly is about the Lord. Amen? It's not about me. It's about him. But you know, you would think that when you face hard moments like this, you would have some friends, right, that would come and just encourage you to death. 
try to empathize, try to sympathize, empathize, and just encourage you and help you. Has anybody had friends like that? They truly came to your, uh, to your need. Anybody? Have you ever had friends that maybe initiated that way but didn't end up that way for you? They came with judge, judgment, assumption, criticism. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of friends Job had. And again, I don't have time to go through all the scriptures. But you're going to find Satan um, is going to, you know, is, is continually working here. And Job's friends, now, 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 I get this, Job's friends started out well. They came and motivated by concern. They loved Job, right? They came and they wept with him for a period of time. As, as you go um, and read Job's three friends in, in chapter 2 and verse 11, you'll, they show up there uh, in the story. Um, now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came every one from his own place. So they were, they were coming. They were making the trick. They wanted to love on him. So they, I have to give them that. I have to give them that. But they didn't end up that way. Okay? You're going to find that, that Job did at times challenge God and, and even question God about things. You'll find in chapter 3 that even no, notice the hurt Job is, is experiencing. After this opened Job his mouth and cursed his day. And Job spake and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born, that the night in which it was said there is a man... A child conceived. In other words, I cursed the day I was born. I'm hurting so much. This is so heavy. It'd just been better off I wasn't born. So you see, Job's a real man, right? He's not a superhuman. And so he's going through this. He's processing this. But his friends, I want you to see, did not comfort him and did not help Job at all. You're going to find that what happened with his friends Right as, as you go on a little bit further on into chapter 4, Eliphaz qu questions Job. you got three friends, or Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Some great names, right? You don't hear those very often. But these three friends came to his aid, if you will. And just, and just quickly, you're going to find that Eliphaz questioned Job and simply said this, Job... You're a sinner. Job, you're a sinner. And then Bildad comes and argues. He said, you know, God's always a just God. God's always a just God. In other words, saying this, God always punishes evil Job. So here's the logic that they all three friends were approaching Job. Never once did they say through all of these dialogues that you can go and read. is, hey, Job, tell us what happened. Job, how can we help you? You know, tell us how we can help you grieve. It's not their approach. They went and they became the critics of Job. They failed to approach him with a serious mind to understand him. And they simply stepped up to judge him. Have you ever had somebody do that way? You're, in, you're going through life. You, you, you don't have really any unconfessed sin. You're not really, you've not done anything wrong. But man, this circumstance has come to your life anyway. You ever had somebody judge you because of the circumstance? And they never did try to say, hey, well, what was happening? What was going on? Like, tell me a little bit of backstory and so we can under No, they just came pointing fingers. That's some great friends, ain't it? Sometimes Christians do more, more pointing fingers than embracing with both arms. 
It shouldn't be God's people. Amen? The world points fingers enough. We need some embracing arms today from God's people. But Eliphaz said, you've sinned. Because here's, here's the logic. All three of them follow this logic. Okay, God judges sin and God blesses righteousness. So, you're going through judgment, so therefore you've sinned. That was their logic. But this logic was not right. This was not right, but that's what they were basing it on. They did not seek God. God, how can we help Job give us discernment? They're praying. They were simply pointing fingers. And dear friend, I have seen in ministry people do that. They don't take any time to, to, to know you or know what happened or get to know the circumstance or even pray with you or pray to God about you. They just say, you know what? I think this is why they're getting this. I think this is why God's doing this. And they judge you. God's the judge, amen? We, we are ministers. And yes, by the fruit you shall know them. I, I understand that. But they didn't even take time to figure out Job's fruit in his life. They just pointed fingers. They had a, they had a thread of logic, and they based everything off of that. Dear friend, we need some compassionate Christians that actually are personally uh, involved in our, in, in, in our lives and gets to know us before we judge each other. Bildad said, hey, God is just, you're delaying repentance. And Job responds to all of them. Listen, I have vetted my heart. I've been praying to God. I've been trying to, to reach out to him, you know. But I don't have any hidden sin in my life. I don't have any hidden sin in my life. I give sacrifices to my children every day, for my children every day. And, and, and you know what they were saying? You go, Please go back and read all the dialogue. You're going to find that they were simply saying, Job. Will you quit blowing smoke? Will you quit just, just all your words, Job, are just vain. You're just, you just don't want to have repentance. You just don't want to fess up. You just don't want to do any of that. Here's a man cursing the day he was born, and they're pointing fingers at him and accusing him of sin when there was no sin in his life that he needed to confess. Job's friends made huge mistakes. Dear friend, this world is, 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 is too dark. Circumstances are, are, are heavy many times in our life. We need true friends that will come up underneath our arms, right? And shore us up and help us. And if there is sin, then true friends will help us discover that so we can confess it and get right with God. But God said at the very beginning in chapter 1, God said, I have no issue with Job. You remember that? I don't have any problems with Job. He has no sin in his life. He, he's an upright man. He eschews evil. So God is good with Job. I think if his friends sought God's, you know, God's input, God would have helped them see that. But they didn't. They used their, oh, their intellect and their, their wisdom and off-the-cuff approach. Dear friend, people are too precious. And I have seen this, and it just burns me. When someone approaches another child of God and they off the cuff address them in their emotions. Shame on you. They're a child of the king. They're a soul heading for eternity. Even if there is an issue there between you or the other, love them. Give your emotions to God and have a discussion with them that's edifying to, to the both of you. Amen? I look at this whole crowd here. Every one of you are precious. 
None of you deserve my emotional bullets or my judgmental bullets, but you do deserve my life edifying you and helping you and and lovingly helping you grow. And if there is some issues there, that we work together through them, not trying to swing and, and let our emotions fly. These friends were not being friends. They were being judge and jury without the truth in mind about Job's life. Elihu, and we'll come to this last point, Elihu was another guy. He gave a little bit better job toward Job. A little bit better insight, but God even reprimanded Elihu in in the very end of the book of Job. Um, If you'll turn over to Job 23, all these chapters you're going to find a lot of the discussion between these guys and Job uh, has has transpired. But in, in chapter 23 and in verse 10... Job is arguing his cause. And, and again, Job wasn't a perfect man through all this. He challenged God. He, 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 you know, he, he had some doubts about why this was going on and, and all this. So he's human. But he never stepped away from God. He never cursed God. And that brings us into this last and final point. Job's real life of integrity. Real life of integrity. Real faith toward God. Verse 10. Okay, But he knoweth. And Job's talking about God and he's talking to his friend. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And I I love this about Job. He's simply saying this, that I'm going through all this. God knows my heart, and I trust God enough. I know I've questioned him, I've challenged him, and God will, will talk with Job in just a moment. But he's saying, you know what? Through all of this, God is going to bring me forth as purer gold. Gold put in the fire does what? It purifies. There's some impurities coming out of that. It's become pure. And Job, through the loss, right? Through his so-called friends, that all he had was criticism and no empathy and compassion. Nothing, none of that. Through all of that, to the power of God, right? Because he walked with God all these years before. And he's growing his faith, which is important because days like this can come. And so Job here is saying, you know what? I still trust God. Through all of this, I will come forth as gold. Will come forth as gold. Okay? And so that is a great... Folks, that's why I tell you all the time, grow in your faith. Grow in your faith. Grow in your faith. Grow, grow, grow. Because you don't know what the next circumstance is going to be. You don't know what they're going to be. But you don't have to know. Grow your faith in the Lord. Trust Him. So we see Job's real life of integrity. You may ask this question, does all this suffering actually accomplish anything? It does when you yield to God. If you don't yield to God through the suffering, then you squander it all. But if you yield to God through the suffering, God has the hands that can work all things out for good. But, dear friend, you are one of those elements that's in his hands. And you, dear friend, must yield to the potter. And things do work out and accomplish great things. Suffering works for us, not against us. As Job said, I will come forth as gold. Not one time did Job curse God. Isn't that incredible? Not one time did Job curse God. He had some weak moments. He had some mess-ups, as we're going to see as we, as we wrap this up. He questioned him. 
right? He did that, but he never cursed him. So let's move forward, shall we? Let's move forward. Job's crying out to God many times. He's going through more criticism in this book. So turn over, if you will, in, in chapter 38. In chapter 38. We find God is now speaking to Job. It says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Did I tell you that's what the friends were doing? Bringing judgment without knowledge? God is saying, He's coming, Hey, what is all this? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. So you're going to find in, the, in these next few verses, He's going to say, Hey, even Job. Right? Even Job thought he understood God. The friends arrogantly thought they understood God. Can I tell you something? God is so big, you cannot fit him in just a small little theological box of yours. You can't do it. He's too big. Right? And so what, what, you'll, find, what you'll find here is this. God says, okay, you bunch of smarty pantses. Tell me about creation. Right? Where did all this come from? Who created all this? Right? The fountains, the morning stars, the, the, if you, going down in verse 8, 9, 10 in chapter 38, right? The, um, um, the, the clouds, the, the darkness, and all, all, of the, all of these things in creation. He wants them to know who he is. He's correcting them. Okay? And then you'll come down to verse 22 through verse 30. Right? This, the nature, snow, hell, rain. Where do you think all this comes from? You think you know me? But you're arrogant, you're talking with your mouth, but it's, it's, it's of not, not in knowledge. You look at verse 39 of chapter 38, all through chapter 30, um, 39. talks about animal life, all the animals, right? And all the living things. Where do you think that comes from? comes from me. I keep it all together. So God is educating Job of his own understanding of God. Okay? And so what he's saying here, okay, he gives all of this to Job. He said, Job, creation, life, the, the elements, where all does that come from? And so he does all of that for Job. And he said, Job, answer me. Answer me. Where does it all come from? And I want you to see Job's answer. Because here is Job, it's repenting, not repenting from cursing God, but repenting, assuming that he knows God that well. Right? Assuming that he knows all the information about God. If you look at chapter 40, and I'm trying to be quick, but I want you to see this. This is the only answer Job could give in verse 3, 4, and 5. Okay? Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. In other words, I'm going to shut up now. Okay? Once have I spoken, but I will not answer, yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. Have you ever done that? You, 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 you get to hurting and emotions are going, all this pain, and you begin to really just think you know God or accuse and you go through all this thinking about God or maybe accuse Him or challenge Him or question Him, all these things. And Job said, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm just going to shut up now. I'm vile. The only thing Job said that I need to do is trust you. You're God, you're sovereign, you love me, you care for me. You, and all this happening, you're doing this for my good. I trust you. He never cursed him, but he did challenge him and have moments of lacking in faith. But you'll find, he says, you know what, I, I'm just going to trust you. 
So he, he repents from that. I want to tell you about his friends, and I want to give you a statement, and, I, and I'm going to close. In chapter 42, verses 7 through verse 14, you're going to find Joe, or God rebukes his friends. Okay? Um, and we've already, we've already actually read some of those verses. Um, in verse 7, it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said unto Eliphaz, right, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have spoken not of me the things that is right as my servant Job hath. So Job was saying a lot of right things about God and was actually saying the right thing even now about God. He said, Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams. Now, folks, this is, just don't miss this. Don't, don't check out yet. And go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly. And that ye have spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. Now real quick, real quick. One of the most dangerous things you can ever do, that you can take into this world, to your friends, to your co-workers, to your family, is this. Ignorance about God. Please don't miss that statement. For you to go out and take an ignorance about God into the world is a dangerous thing. Why? Because when you go out into the world, you're going to face people that's going to be facing circumstances, and they're going to ask you for the hope that's in you. How do I live this out? Tell me about God. Why is this happening? How do I do this? And based on what you know or what you don't know, right, which is all within your power. God's given us his word to know what we need to know to help ourselves and our faith and help others. You're going to minister to that person. How will you minister? Wouldn't it be a, a train wreck of an event if you ministered with ignorance about God? You're not building someone up. You're actually giving them sand as a foundation instead of a solid footing when you minister in ignorance instead of knowledge. And dear friend... We have a book and a spirit of God that gives us knowledge about God. We don't know everything about God, but dear friend, we know, have enough to know to live this real life with real faith, not just for ourselves, but to help others also. Your wife, your spouse, your children, your co-workers, your family. Don't go out ignorant. If you go out ignorant, it's because you chose to go out ignorant. Get in God's word. Be on your knees. Be in the church. Be in discipleship because you're a minister. He rebukes his friends. And I just want to give you this last part of Job's integrity is this. Now, can you imagine this real quick? Imagine this. He said, okay, you three friends, I want because you're wrong. right? You're dead wrong. And the only way you're going to get forgiveness, you've got you to make sacrifice, but not just that. Job's got to pray for you. Whoa. As, as Henry would say, whoa. I don't know if you've heard him say that very Whoa. When he gets just amazed, whoa. Uh, Job, the one you criticized, you judged, you pointed fingers, you didn't really come to his aid, that you accused of sin, not repenting, and, and lying, and running from God, he has to pray for you. Sacrifices? His prayer for you to be forgiven, and that's when you'll be forgiven. What power. Amen? What does Job do? And you can go in and read 
you know that Job does pray for his friends. Can I tell you something? Job did not just need an integrity built on God and by the power of God just for the circumstances of losing things, not just the criticism of so-called friends when you're going through that dark time, but also an integrity to forgive them when they fail you. Amen? You are to forgive those that do not come to your aid. If they, even if they never ask you for forgiveness, forgiveness should be a mode of your heart toward them. Job, I'm telling you, this had to take much grace for Job to do this. But listen, for Job to be restored, he had to pray. See, integrity does help you live outwardly toward other people, but it also brings restoration and healing for yourself too. What you're going to find after Job prayed and his, his friends were, were forgiven, but also Job was given double. With the exception of children, he was given double of everything. Double of everything. Integrity, living life through faith, trusting God is never a mistake for a child of God. Amen? Have you ever regretted at the end, end of that phase of life, whatever, at the end of it, have you ever regretted trusting God through the darkness or the water or the fire, however you want to describe it, of your life? I've not. Yes, that middle part was full of tears and heartache and trouble, and I get all that, but at the end of it, if I kept my faith intact and trusted Him, it's so much more sweet at the end of it. Because then I look back and I see the hand of a loving Father. Caring for me, preparing me for judgment, knowing the people I'm going to face a year from now that needed me to go through that because they're going to go through that. I had no idea of their name. Maybe a future neighbor you're going to live beside. You have no idea you're going to live beside them 10 years from now. But you may, and they need your life, real life, real faith moment for them when that, when that time comes. Has, everybody ever, has anybody ever done that for you? You're able to go to someone and say, hey, can you have me? Oh, I've been through something like that. Aren't you thankful they went through something like that? Because now they help you go through something just like that. Folks, I'm just saying this. Listen, can your faith take a beating? Dear friend, yes, it can, and it should. It should. And, 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 and what God allows our faith to go through is not a result of a mean and malicious God, but is a God that knows the kind of faith you need tomorrow. And it takes the circumstance of today to make your faith what it needs to be tomorrow. Amen? Don't be arrogant and think you have arrived, dear friend. Because you've not. You need God's hand wisely and lovingly working on you. As the children will say, He's still working on me. So let's love Him. So dear friend, what circumstance you're going through now, are you going through it with a real faith, trusting the Lord, confidence in Him? Are you saved? As we have a song of invitation, everyone stands so quietly. Thank you for your attention. I'm so thankful you were. Give me your attention.